Hello, and welcome to MPE, the Medical Practice Excellence Podcast. I'm Chris Harrop, Senior Editorial Manager at MGMA. My guest today is Dave Gans, MSHA, FACMPE, and Senior Fellow for Industry Affairs at MGMA. He's also the host of the Executive Session Podcast. Our topic of discussion today is the title of this podcast series, Medical Practice Excellence. In Dave's January MGMA Connection article entitled Reaping What You Sow, Keys to MGMA Better Performer Productivity, he observes how certain traits in a medical practice, such as the knowledge of the managers and the work ethic of the providers, will determine success or failure of that organization. Dave's been a key member of MGMA's efforts over the past 20 years to document and share insights from MGMA's benchmarking data sets in MGMA DataDive and identifying areas of superior performance, which MGMA labels as better performers. Dave, I'm happy to have the chance to discuss this topic with you today. Could you share a bit about your background in healthcare administration and your work at MGMA? Thank you, Chris. Uh, most pleased to have the opportunity to take part in this podcast and to give our members and readers more insight into the article. Uh, I've been an MGMA employee now for over 40 years. I uh, worked with the Association Center for Research Managing Projects. I've been involved with the MGMA surveys, first as uh, managing the statistics and, and actually preparation of our cost survey and our physician compensation and production surveys, and then as survey director for managing a staff that conducted the surveys, and now being a survey user, looking at the information that's presented and interpreting it in the context of what does this mean for a medical group. Also, since this article you know, has an agricultural perspective, my dad grew up on a farm in central Minnesota, learning uh, much more about agriculture than I ever thought I would need to know, more as a city boy. <laughs> you know, as I put in the, in the introduction, that there's so much in common between industries, and you can tell a lot from a practice on, on a first view, just like you can, t- you can tell a lot about a farm on the first view of the farm. So I think this is going to be an interesting discussion today and the opportunity to delve into some issues and ideas on benchmarking. And Dave, you just alluded to this, but for those unfamiliar, MGMA has for decades collected nationwide benchmarking data on a number of crucial topics in healthcare administration, such as provider compensation, cost and revenue, and more recently in evolving areas of practice operations, such as value-based care and telehealth. Uh, of particular interest for our discussion today, however, uh, is a data set not tied to any one MGMA survey, and that's the MGMA Data Dive Better Performers data set. In the latter half of 2020, we published your data mine article, Dave, titled Good Management is Timeless, in which you explored the history of MGMA Better Performers and how there are multiple categories used to recognize excellence, as there's no single measure that defines what makes a high-performing medical group. Could you give us a high-level overview of those four better performer categories, Dave? Well, first we have to, th- to look back at how MGMA looked at benchmarking and what information we provide to our members. Of course, as uh, Chris mentioned, our surveys provide excellent information of a statistical nature that can give insights to organizations on what others are doing, which is the start of the benchmarking process, which is comparing your performance to that of an external model. Now, 20 years ago, we looked even further at the concept of benchmarking, of benchmarking, comparing uh, 
practice information not only against what others are doing, but can we find a select group of practices that meet standards of higher performance? And as we, when we began this look, uh, we uh, listed uh, MGMA members and, and others from the academic community to look at what, what were their suggestions. And we looked at what is important to a practice. And we realized that you know, there are different elements. Uh, and, and this is where we built our various standards for better performance. In other words, we have better performance in operations. In other words, this is the revenue cycle, the internal business office operations of the practice. You know, because you can have an outstanding business office, but because of other factors, you may not succeed in other areas. So we want to say, what are our organizations with an excellent business office, an excellent revenue cycle? What are they doing that you can learn from and model against? The same for productivity, that you can have an extraordinarily productive practice. And because of factors such as uh, location or market conditions, uh, you may not have the economic success of others, but organizations can model on your work in order to enhance their productivity. The same for profitability, that some organizations, that through combined excellence in business operations and in productivity, that, they're, they, that they uh, have a better bottom line than others. What can we learn from these practices and what can we model for standards of a benchmark against best organizations of profitability. And the fourth element is value, which says a good practice does not only have a good business operation, productive providers, and a good bottom line, but what is the quality of care provided to the patients? What is the patient-centeredness and how well the practice relates to the needs of their patients? So what we have then defined specific standards within each of these areas that we detail both online on the MGMA web pages as well as in, in other areas. And I'll give you some examples. Let's look first at operations. In other words, this is that uh, revenue cycle that you need practices here within a similar type of practice category. Uh, less than the median for percentage of total accounts receivable over 120 days. In other words, these practices, they do not have old AR. Their accounts receivable is well managed. At the same time, they have to have less than a medium for days of adjusted charges in AR. And they also have a third hurdle greater than the median adjusted fee for service collection percentage. So immediately you say this is a practice that are doing things right. In other words, they have very little old AR. They have relatively low amounts of accounts receivable overall, and they collect more of what is billed. So now there's an interesting corollary to this that we see in the data. If you look at what is one measure of accounts receivable is bad debt, these practices have substantially less bad debt than their peers, but they do it for the reasons of collecting more, collecting it faster, and having less AR. Similar metrics are, are created for, for example, profitability. And this is the same thing. It says you have to meet multiple standards. And, if, and by doing that, we've identified practices who are exceeding the performance of their peers, who may only do one thing well. These are practices who do multiple things well. For example, uh, for profitability, they have less than the median or mid, uh, for total cost per work RVU. 
less than the median for total cost per total RVU, less than the median for total operating costs at percentage of total medical revenue or overhead, and greater than the median for total medical revenue after operating costs. So these are practices that they have more revenue after operating costs, they have kept their overhead low, and they, their cost of, produce, of production, in other words, cost per total RVU, or the cost per work RVU are also less. So in other words, organizations who are doing things very well. Lastly, for productivity, we look at standards of greater than the median for total medical revenue per physician, greater than median total medical revenues per staff member, greater than median of, uh, for work RVUs per staff member, and greater than median for provider work RVUs for at least two-thirds of the providers in the practice, or for anesthesia practices, greater than median for uh, ASA relative value units for at least two-thirds of the providers. So in other words, we're actually combining data from different data sources. Our cost survey, which gives us information on the, from the statement of operations and loss from the practice, plus our physician production data from our compensation production survey looking at the individual providers. So these are our practices that are, have productive providers, and the results of that is, is added revenue to the, to the doctor, but also good staffing because their staff are productive. And since earlier we mentioned that we have also look at value, for value, we start with saying you have to have maintained a better performance standard in at least one of these other areas. And we are, our, the practice reports quality metrics because we know if you can measure something, you can manage it. Now we're also looking in more depth at actually seeing can we collect quality metrics and compare practices at that level? But it's too early to do that at this point. So we're, we're taking an intermediate step. So we have organizations that have either good practice operations, good profitability or productivity, or more than one, which is very common, and is managing their quality metrics as well. I'm glad you made the point that this goes across so many different areas of MGMA's survey efforts. I think for this last year, our 2020 MGMA Better Performers, which is based on 2019 data, so uh, it's largely reflective of information prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, there were about 3,800 organizations evaluated that had submitted data to those three surveys, compensation, production, cost and revenue, and practice operations. And when you actually crunch those numbers, once our data, our data folks look at that, more, it's about 1,036 practices that have submitted data to those surveys that uh, stand out in one of those four categories. And as you just mentioned, the value category, that fourth category, you have to also be a better performer in one of the first three operations, profitability and productivity. But maybe a, a, you can get a little bit more into the more historical aspects of this. Uh, I know that you know one of the things that was really well documented when the 1998 Performance and Practices of Successful Medical Groups report came out is that you start looking at all of this data and that there are some, some consistent routes to success that kind of unified some of these better performers, not just by their data, but through some qualitative interviews, what we actually found uh, these practices doing that really led them to produce these, these numbers that we're seeing. Can you talk a little bit more about that, Dave? Yes. Well, part of this information was from an earlier data mine I did last summer 
And for those of you listening who want to follow along with that article, you can find it online at mgma.com slash datamine1020. That's datamine1020. Where we looked at, let's go back to the earliest reports that we that we created using this better performer benchmarking information. It was actually published in a separate report at that time called The Performance and Practices of Successful Medical Groups. And we interviewed practices and we inter- that had met our, our criteria, and we found a constant set of themes that these organizations were doing many things similarly. In other words, they employed formal strategic planning. They had very rigorous financial management processes. They had a very they were very patient focused. They also, you know, asked them to talk about their organization. They talked about their culture. They talked about having open communications among the staff. They talked about having a very effective compensation mechanism to provide incentive to the providers, their doctors and their non-physician providers. Also, they talked about how they provide incentives to their employees and reward those, those employees and their providers who, uh, for their efforts. Well, this also, we found that there was a level of trust between physicians and administrators. And also these practices had very high levels of of physician job satisfaction. We know one of the major issues affecting many medical groups is physician burnout. Doctors are working extremely hard and they've become frustrated from processes. Again, interviews with these better performers found that there was a different type of culture and it was very high physician job satisfaction in the practice. And among the things that they, you know, when we interviewed practices that were involved and had higher levels of productivity, common theme was physician, the practice leaders, the doctors who were, and the administrators in those practices who managed the practice say, we reward our doctors for hard work. And we have an expectation that when we hire a provider, that we give them their standards that they have to meet. And this, this process starts from as we begin to hire and identify new physicians for our organization. And also, we find, as they said, that we found that these practices support their doctors very well. In other words, they provide not only financial incentives to them, but they also provide the other necessary resources the doctors need. These practices typically have more space. They, had, they definitely had more staff per physician. These practices devoted capital resources to support their doctors. In other words, they had medical equipment and administrative resources that they they spent substantial capital to increase the physical plant, but it showed up in productivity. And the increased productivity created more revenue, which more than covered the cost of the extra staff or the extra space. Now, in fact, when in this very early uh, time, our 1999 report, uh, they identified six performance areas where they excelled. And it was interesting because they, they said strategic and profit planning, good, in other words, good budgeting techniques, cost management, they knew what it cost to provide a service, capital structure and instruments, in other words, spending capital resources on the equipment necessary to let their physicians be as productive as possible, and to have equipment in-house for patient convenience, such as bringing laboratory or radiology services inside the practice 
even though they may not be always as economically have a return on investment, but it was a patient convenience and an increased overall physician productivity. These practices also identified tax policy and tax management, working closely with their CPAs to minimize the tax consequences for both the individual providers and for the practice. They had excellent internal controls to manage the organization, and they had financial reporting and performance evaluations concurrent on, on an ongoing basis in the organization. Several years later, we did a similar set of interviews, and in 2003, you know, we said, what are the common elements? And they, very similar to what occurred earlier, but they also added they had effective recruitment and staffing techniques. In other words, spending time and effort to recruit their physicians and their staff to actually match the culture of the practice. They had physician compensation methodologies that were based on productivity. They studied and improved their patient flow to minimize time that the patient spent in the office, but also it maximized the return of time for their providers. Their providers had the equipment they needed, the staff they needed, and the patients could be seen very efficiently. They also were very data-focused in their decision-making. So they, they did uh, their decision-making based on information and not on a hunch. They I talked earlier about the employee technologies to improve efficiency. And, of course, as I've, we've said, the common theme, they have very good staffing and employee cross-training so that if they had employees, for example, in the business office who were going to be planned vacation or had illness, they can, they can move patients, they can move employees from the front office area or other areas to fill in. And also, this enabled the employees to better understand the problems that occur throughout the practice and help to minimize some of the concept of the grass is always greener in the other area, is an analogy. You know, so again, we find work that occurred, you know, these processes that organizations used in the past are just as, as applicable today. And I think if we look at practices who are outperforming their peers and have better financial performance or better productivity, what are they doing to achieve this? They're doing these same functions that we identified years ago. I love seeing, you know, just over decades of work that we're finding these common elements come up when we talk to healthcare administrative leaders and that, you know, we, we really want to continue exploring these, these, these things evolve. But one that you mentioned your article, you know, good management is timeless. Uh, you've now given us a very important historical perspective to this data that you've been looking at. So let's now shift to what you and our MGMA data solutions team have found in these most recent survey results, um, specifically the 2020 MGMA cost and revenue data set. And in particular, what's setting these better performer physician-owned practices uh, above the rest? If you uh, get into kind of what you outlined in your article there. This time, I'll actually refer our listeners to go online and look at the article because we're gonna, I'm going to describe some of the graphs that we have that actually display the data. Uh, the 2020 MGMA Data Guide for Cost and Revenue, you can uh, select comparisons and among the comparisons you can you have of course at first is to find a peer for example multi-specialty groups but also you can look and say are, is that practice a better performer or in one or more of the areas or not a better performer well when we look at some of the common metrics for example total medical revenue 
that the, the median of all practices that are multi-specialty was just under $1.4 million per physician per year. Among our better performers, it was over $1,500,000. Also, what we found is that these practices, they did spend more. They spent 9% more greater total operating cost per FTE physician than their peers. But more importantly, it showed up in the bottom line. Now, among physician-owned multi-specialty groups, the bottom line essentially is physician income. And these better performers, uh, median physician income among all practices was about $437,000. And this is compensation and retirement benefits compared to $520,000 per doctor in the, in the better performing practices. So the for the physician owners, their investment in expenses and staffing resulted in 19% higher compensation and benefits. So the investment paid off, and it was, but it was also done through the hard work of both their doctors and their increased productivity and the hard work of their staff in that organization. Now, we also looked at staffing, and this was the second one, the second figures in the article, and said, you know, because we'd identified, early, you know, in our previous year's studies, saying these better performers would enable that to happen. And they had higher staffing. Uh, figure two in the article says, how many business office staff do you have? Well, remember, some of these better performers had increased, they met the better performer criteria in business operations. Uh, but also we know if you're more productive and you create and you're more, uh, and you see more patients, you, you have a need for better business, uh, more business staff to process those claims. So what we found among all practices that are physician-owned, multi-specialty groups, median business office support staff, 1.52 per FD physician, compared to 1.83 for the business office operations staff. You know, in other words, they have 20% more staff. Front office was about the same. Again, most of this had to do with having sufficient staff members to process the patients on arrival and to have those uh, patients move on into the practice. Now, where there, we saw a significant difference was in the clinical support staff, the nursing staff. Among all multi physician-owned multi-specialty groups, their median nursing staff per FTE physician, and these are the sum of registered nurses, LPNs, as well as nursing aides and medical assistants, was 2.33. That compared to 2.75 staff members per FTE physician in the better performers. Or in other words, they had about 0.4 FTEs more clinical staff supporting the doctors. That's 18% more staff. What we've reported 20 years ago and every, almost every year since then, additional nursing staff enables the doctors to care for additional patients, increasing overall productivity. Now, when we looked at the ancillary service staff, they were about the same. So again, where we saw more staffing, these practices staffed where it was important, supporting the doctors and, the, and other providers, and of course, in, and then having better business operations in order to process claims, the increased number of claims created by the enhanced levels of productivity. We also have some other you know, external benchmarks that I think practices can, can, can find very helpful. We have a, a table that looked at what is the number of relative value units and number of encounters? And how does that compare between these physician-owned multi-specialty groups? 
the median work RVUs per FTE physician in all practices was 8,441. The better performers, it was 10,437. So in other words, that what we saw was substantially more work RVUs. Well, this, this is, relates it's the same for median total RVUs, again, being greater. And of course, since in many of these multi-specialty groups, much of their work is in primary care, and in specialties where we measure encounters as a, as a critical element, we saw the same thing in median total encounters. All practices, 5,587, compared to 6,701 in the better performers, which of course reflects in the, in the work RVU performance. Thanks for outlining that, Dave. Uh, you kind of took a further look into the cost and revenue data from last year in your January 2021 article, uh, called Reaping What You Sow. Uh, if you want to follow along with that, uh, you can find that in the January 2021 issue of the magazine, or you can also find it directly online at mgma.com slash datamine121. Now, this time, you dug into revenue expense data for these groups. Can you explain for our listeners what you found? Well, first, uh, again, this is one of the figures from uh, the article. Uh, some of the data is actually was similar. In other words, I've, I've had the total medical revenue and the physician compensation benefits that these practices have substantially uh, higher total medical revenue. Then I went, went in a little bit more depth and says, okay, what do they spend on staffing? Remember, they had higher levels of staff, more FTEs, and that translated into greater staff compensation and benefit costs. And, but they also had substantially higher general operating costs because they had a larger facility, in other words, more square footage, and they spent more on, on medical equipment and other equipment. So what we see is that these practices, a few things stand out. They spent 2% more in support staff comp and benefits, 13% more in general operating costs. More importantly, the return on the investment was 18% greater total medical revenue and 19% greater physician compensation and benefits than the all multi-specialty groups that report. And, you know, and, and we said, how do you do this? The same thing we described. They have 9% more support staff per doctor, 6% more square footage than their peers. And, you know, and they put their staffing where it's important. 20% more business office support staff, 18% more clinical support and nursing staff. And it results in almost 25% greater work RVU production. And, you know, you've talked about this before in some of your other articles that it's not just about having more people. It's having the right people doing the right things that actually yield that higher level of revenue, which, of course, leads into better compensation all around, which it's more isn't always better. It's about having the right mix of it. I think one thing that I'd love to get you to talk about now is in addition to you had gone through this cost and revenue data. You also provided in that same article another view of these better performers by taking a look at productivity and physician compensation in three key specialties, uh, specifically family medicine without OB, non-invasive cardiology, and general surgery, using the data from the MGMA provider compensation data set. Now, what's unique about this data is it's not practice data, but rather focused on the doctors from the better performer practices specifically and how they specifically outperform other physicians in the same specialty for productivity. Can you talk a little bit more about what you found there? Thank you, Chris. Well, 
This is where, again, MGMA's data dive uh, software programs, we have a common database that we can go in and look and says, you know, for practices that met our better performer criteria, which comes out of our cost and revenue survey, what is the actual production of the doctors, which is reported individually, not you know, on our physician compensation production survey? So we looked specifically and said, if you are from a practice that met the better performer criteria, what is your production? How did that compare to those that were not? And, and we said, look, and I provided information on representative specialties. This is literally true across the board, of course. But I said, okay, for, let's look first, family medicine without OB. Okay? The physicians in the better performer practices had 35% greater work RVU production and 28% higher compensation. Same thing occurred in non-invasive cardiology. 45% more work RVUs, 29% compensation in greater. And in general surgery, 46% more work RVUs, 35% greater compensation, which shows how actions at the practice level translate directly to improved physician performance and that increased performance results in higher increased compensation for those doctors. In the article, I talk uh, about back to the analogies. I concluded the article that said that in a successful medical practice, leaders use technology to minimize costs. Successful farmers are doing the same. They take advantage of advances in science and biotechnology, you know, to increase their yield with each acre of, of land with fewer inputs, with less labor and reduced environmental footprint but also higher profits for the practice and, and because of greater yield. Also, what we, uh, I look back and say, you know, that maybe the best description of how agriculture and practice management is similar is a quote, not from practice management text, but from the Bible. 2 Corinthians reads, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Practices that maximize production maximize output of the practice and they reap what they sow. And that is something that I think a lot of practice managers really want to take to heart as they look at this new year. Uh, We're recording this toward the end of January 2021. And I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, most of these 2020 data sets were relying on survey data about practice performance from 2019, which is very important for some key reasons. These numbers should change somewhat. If we're putting, if we're looking into our crystal ball and looking ahead, th- these numbers will probably change somewhat drastically when this year's MGMA Data Dive releases start, uh, beginning with the provider compensation survey results in May, uh, on account of the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. As we all know, visit volumes and revenues were uh, drastically impacted throughout the calendar year of 2020 and still now in early parts of 2021. Many specialties are still facing significant changes in their operations as uh, COVID-19 caseloads spike across the nation, even as we're, you know, we're seeing a lot of interesting things happen with the vaccine rollout. There's going to be further challenges. So there's, we're probably going to see lots of changes in these benchmarks based on the new data that we're collecting this calendar year based on 2020. And however, as the data you referenced, Dave, doesn't give us a glimpse into the pandemic's effect on physician practices, it's nevertheless a benchmark. Uh, Many of these MGMA member practices have spoken of returning close to their pre-pandemic visit volumes 
yet they're not reaching their pre-pandemic reimbursement levels, whether that's because of uh, new visit types that don't reimburse on parity uh, to in-person visits, or there have just been a number of pair mix changes as Americans who lost jobs in the resulting economic downturn. Uh, They're increasingly shifting into ACA exchange plans, Medicaid, uh, or even self-pay. All of these factors mean that there's a lot of work to be done to get back to where practices were prior to the pandemic. And these 2019 numbers are precisely the baseline for benchmarking certain operations going forward if you haven't gotten there yet. Uh, I should also note that something that's been of particular interest to a lot of NGMA members recently, uh, there are some unique scenarios that are on the horizon with changes to the 2021 Medicare Physician Fee Schedule, uh, in which outpatient E&M codes have seen a big change, uh, some favorable work RVU updates for primary care providers, yet at the same time, the conversion factor for Medicare uh, has dropped. Uh, obviously, there was a bill passed in, signed into law December 27th, 2020, that injected a little bit more money into this funding, but it's still going to set the stage for some doctors to end up possibly producing more work RVUs in 2021, uh, yet there's the possibility for their reimbursement and compensation to drop. As you look at some of these factors, and we have to acknowledge that we're still in the midst of one of the worst months of the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States. Uh, What are some of the big things practice leaders should be watching from an operational standpoint? Uh, Chris, very good uh, questions. Uh, well, first, MGMA is now, we began our data collection process for 2020, that organizations can begin to report their f- provider compensation and productivity information that's being collected right now. And that it, that is opportunities for practices to participate in the survey, provide their information, and also, most importantly, later in June, when we actually publish our reports, to be able to go back in and compare their actual reported data to what shows up for other organizations. Uh, We're going to do the same for practice level information through our cost and revenue survey beginning in in March and April this year. So we're very interested in seeing what has, what, how has the effects of the COVID pandemic affected practices? We know from, uh, from observations and anecdotal information that early in the year, in March and April, uh, many hospitals began to cancel elective procedures, which obviously affects those doctors and the practices who would be performing those procedures. We also are well aware that uh, because of requirements for social distancing and trying to make sure that practices that within the practice, you did not contribute to infection from either patients, staff, or providers, that practices spent substantially more money on PPE. You know, they also had to make, in many cases, changes to their facilities to, to erect, uh, for example, plexiglass barriers to, to help protect their, their front office staff from possible infection. So we know that practices spent more money on the facility. We also know that uh, patient loads in many cases decreased because of social distancing issues. Uh, We also are well aware that many procedures that were performed in hospital systems or in hospitals decreased substantially when the hospitals shut down elective procedures. So we know that practices will have very different reported data this year. We don't know what what the cumulative effect will be. 
Also, as uh, Chris, you mentioned, that many practices report resuming full operations by the end of the year as they've changed their systems. They've rebuilt their human systems on staffing and processes and procedures, and they had rebuilt their physical plants to better accommodate uh, the needs of uh, patients who are going to be, be uh, cared for in a COVID-concerned environment. So we know things changed. We also have some anecdotal information that some practices have actually done quite well this past year because of their particular circumstances. See, having when organizations or hospital systems began to rechannel patients in different areas, that some practices saw actually more patients. So we don't know what the cumulative effect will be. We're very interested in, in understanding that. We also are looking very carefully to see how external factors have changed. In other words, as Chris mentioned, that we're seeing a change in how some measures are occurring. These work RVU changes are occurring. Uh, we will record that we will record what the information is. It still means there's a very valid benchmark, but we have may have to interpret in the context of prior years. So a lot of changes are occurring, but we're really looking carefully to say, where are we going to be going? And we can, we're looking at the data. And I think that's the key. Uh, just like as we began our discussion today, saying certain factors of managing a practice are timeless. We want to make sure we staff appropriately. We want to make sure we have good systems in place to record information and to evaluate performance. We want to make sure that the practice is patient-centered so that we're concerned about the quality of care provided the patients and that they have a positive experience in visiting the practice and they'll return in the future to keep our productivity numbers up. So a lot of many things are happening, but we still want to come back and say that the fundamentals of managing a practice have not changed. And we want to focus on those fundamentals to increase the performance and increase the practice's bottom line and its sustainability in the future. Those are really excellent points, Dave. I, as someone who reads countless articles, I've gone through all of the crystal ball projection articles out there about what we should expect in 2021. And I think you've helped ground a lot of what administrators and executives should be mindful of with the data uh, and, and back up their decision-making. And while we're talking a lot about some, some timeless elements of what's better performer practice in healthcare. There are some things that are not timeless. As, we're, as I mentioned before, we're recording this on January 22nd. We are roughly about 48 hours into a new uh, administration. And so one of the things that are not timeless are we're expecting a lot of changes about how this new administration is going to handle uh, vaccines and just the confronting the pandemic. So I would highly recommend as more of these executive orders and other things come out from the new administration, and we see uh, new officials at the heads of HHS and CMS, uh, really keep an eye on uh, MGMA's government affairs team. They're really keeping a close eye on anything changing legislatively or on the regulatory side of things. Uh, if you're an MGMA member, I highly recommend that you're signed up for their uh, Washington Connection email that comes out every Thursday a lot of valuable things to watch out for as things evolve out of Washington, D.C. With that out of the way, thank you so much, Dave. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Thank you, Chris. I, th I appreciate the opportunity to share my ideas with our listeners. 
And I want to, just like you, you mentioned, to encourage our MGMA members and others to look, at the, look back to the resources that MGMA produces. We have excellent data resources. We have excellent process resources available through our web pages and our, and our many publications and many online resources that we provide to the members. That's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for your time today, Dave. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of MPE, the Medical Practice Excellence Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes featuring other industry experts and practice leaders sharing how they stand out. You can subscribe to this and other MGMA podcast series via SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find Dave Gans's article, Reaping What You Sow, in the January 2021 MGMA Connection magazine. MGMA members can access the full digital magazine at mgma.com slash connection dash jan, that's J-A-N, 21, jan, 21. And if you're not an MGMA member, please consider joining today at mgma.com slash membership. To learn more about MGMA's industry-leading data surveys and MGMA Data Dive products, visit mgma.com slash data. And if you want to learn more about medical practice excellence, MGMA's latest member resource, the Medical Practice Evaluation Tool, explores all six domains of the medical practice management body of knowledge via web-based assessment, customizable by practice ownership structure and specialty scope, to gain actual insights about how your organization measures up against top-performing practices. Access the tool today at mgma.com slash eval dash tool. And one last reminder for this episode, the conversation around medical practice excellence continues with MGMA's spring event, the MPE Pathways Conference, combining the content of our spring financial operations and data conferences under one roof. This customizable event is slated for a face-to-face event, April 18th to 20 in Orlando, Florida, as well as a digital experience, May 11th to the 13th. Learn more about the Pathways Conference at mgma.com slash pathways conference. 